Welcome to another episode of Quiz Time India. I'm your host and quiz master Aditya and in today's episode joining me on the podcast for a round of quizzing is Aditya Mobile. Hi, my name is Aditya Mobile. I am from Delhi. I was reading up about the national anthem and I realized that what they would call a curate's egg Pearl Harbor was also somewhere around the same time but and it ended I, when the english team had to catch their boat to go back home in north india we use wheat flour in south india we use rice flour the show is about to begin hello and welcome did you know french colonizers are the reason why we have 52 cards in a deck did you know One plastic bottle, if recycled, can save enough energy to light a 60-watt bulb for six hours. And if you didn't know such rasgulla and gulab jamun of facts, you have come to the right place. Quiz Time India, a podcast where you will find facts and fun in equal measure. Let us begin this week's episode. First up is the matter of the audience question. Last week we had Tilaksha on the podcast, and this was his question. So my question to the audience is what was that one major change Google made in their services on the search engine the i am lucky button is still available on the Google home page for there there are multiple things that they have done over the years one major feature i can promise each and every one of you that you know of this feature and the correct answer was given by shrikanth varma shrikanth thank you so much for sending in your answer and you if you would also like to send in the answer to the audience question all you have to do is listen to the audience question at the end of each episode and then send us the answer via social media we are quiz time india on facebook and on instagram that is all you have to do and now is the time for me to introduce this week's guest His name is Aditya Mubai. He is a knowledge entrepreneur and a quiz master who has conducted more than 3500 quizzes. Yes, he has represented India at the World Masters Quiz. He was the youngest finalist of the iconic Bonvita Radio Quiz and he has spearheaded research teams for cult TV shows such as Kaun Banega Karodpati and Mastermind India. Mr Mumbai's enterprise Quizcraft Global Knowledge Solutions is among India's leaders in creating content for live quizzes, TV, social media, books, radio and even apps. Before I jump into the episode, let me tell you it was an absolute pleasure to quiz with Aditya because the level of questions that he brought was just phenomenal. Once again, I welcome you to Quiz Time India. Hello Aditya, thank you so much for joining me on Quiz Time India. How you been? Hi Aditya, I'm good. It's been a sort of a mixed bag uh, what they would call a curate's egg in past days. The last uh, almost a full year now because we've been more or less grounded but things look like uh, they're sorting themselves out a little. Yes, absolutely. So, to start out, I'll just uh, tell the rules. especially for those who are joining us for the first time the listeners who are joining us for the first time the rules well basically it's quite simple two of us each have a set of questions ready with us 
What we'll do is, we'll take turns asking each other these questions. If and when we stumble or need some help, we can ask each other for hints. It is as simple as that. And together and along with us, hopefully our audience also, gets to learn some new interesting trivia, some new interesting facts. Does that make sense, Aditya? Of course, that's the whole purpose of uh, all these quizzes and exercises as far as we're concerned. It's a learning tool. It's a way of exchanging information. It's a way of finding out more about the world in which we live. And uh, it's a fascinating world out there or inside there, whichever way you want to see it. So the more you learn, the more you interact, the more you exchange, the better your life becomes. I couldn't have put it better. So the tradition on the show is that uh, since I'm the host, I'll make you feel comfortable. I'll start out with the first question for you. And since, as I said, this is the first question, it's a relatively easier question. And uh, the difficulty will be turned up a notch as we go forth. Okay. So, your first question, Aditya, has to do with national anthems. Okay. Now, national anthems have a lot of peculiar stories about them. Uh, I was just reading the other day that how Czechoslovakia, when it was a nation, the national anthem was basically a Czech song and a Slovakian song. And when they split, the Czech took the Czech song and made it their national anthem and the Slovaks took the Slovak song and made it their national anthem. And uh, I was just reading up about more national anthems and I realized that the UK national anthem is also quite peculiar. Peculiar in the sense that the national anthem, the lyrics of the national anthem can change depending upon a particular situation. I need you to tell me what is this particular situation depending upon which the UK national anthem can change. Okay, uh, so first up, A, you said it's an easy question, so I'm not going to go down any rabbit hole looking for esoteric uh, Uh origins or meanings into it. So let's keep it uh, as simple and as straightforward. Let me first go with this. If I'm wrong, then maybe you can give me a hint. Okay. So uh, first up, right now, the national anthem of the UK is God Save the Queen. Some 70 years ago, it was God Save the King. So I'm assuming that it depends. Absolutely. The, The wording of the national anthem will change depending on whether the ruling monarch is a king or a queen. So it's, is that it? That is absolutely it. That is exactly what it was. I actually went down this rabbit hole because one day it just struck me that the queen was always not the one true ruling monarch. So what have, what did they do with the national anthem? And that's when I realized that at least in my lifetime, I've never heard God save the king. So I always imagined it to be God save the queen. And then I realized like, oh, it used to be God save the king. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't and, think I don't think most people even listening to the <laughs> podcast would have heard God Save the King being played. Although God Save the Queen slash King is the sort of de facto national anthem, but if you happen to see any sporting events with England participating, say the last year's World Cup final, they don't have God Save the Queen playing there. Whenever England is participating in an event, they play a song called Jerusalem. This song is based on apparently on a William Blake poem and that is used as an anthem during the sporting events. Do you know about this? I did uh, know about it. I didn't know the William Blake connection, but I knew that England cannot use, when they are playing, they cannot use uh, God Save the King or Queen because that is for the United Kingdom of England, uh, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. So they all have a share in it. Yeah. 
and you can't have the same uh, national anthem being played for different teams so they had to go for a different song but yeah it's interesting that it's a blake poem originally and uh, also something i realized uh, while doing my research that it is god say the queen slash king is the de facto national anthem of a whole lot of additional countries pretty much all of which were part of the commonwealth so bermuda australia new zealand bahamas and even canada for that matter they all have god save the queen as their secondary national anthem the other territories overseas dominions uh, protectorates etc all use that so mm. your british virgin islands bermuda they all use god save the monarch okay so that was the first question yes i'm going down uh, to second world war it has always been a fascinating right. for me and incidentally uh, mm-hmm. i took part in a show called mastermind long time ago last century in fact and uh, my subject mm-hmm. uh, there was fighter planes of the second world war so i'm going to inflict some second world right. war stuff on you and the listeners so let's go with a reasonably easy one please yushan is yes. the chinese name for a mountain peak in taiwan also called chinese taipei it's the tallest mountain peak uh, in taiwan and it's part of what is known as mm-hmm. the philippines plate so over the last century or so it has actually grown substantially taller now when uh, during okay. the second world war and immediately before that taiwan or formosa as it was called was part of the japanese empire mm-hmm. and the japanese of course didn't like okay. calling uh, the mountain yushan they called it nitaka mm. so mount All nitaka right. apart from being the tallest peak in the japanese empire had a political connection uh, let's say a geopolitical connection in 1941 what was this specific connect connect to something or is there anything else that is there with it i didn't get the last bit of the question saying that uh, it's was the tallest mountain peak in the entire japanese empire because of that mm-hmm. it was given some political relevance in 1941 what was this political relevance okay uh yushan the mountain peak in taiwan attained in 1941 so it attained some political relevance in 1941 historic relevance so i'm just thinking i'm thinking of uh, some sort of iconography that uh, how we have uh, a mount fiji as a icon of sort am i in the right all park is that the right direction no it's more to do with the uh, a specific incident hmm and uh, if you've seen this 1980s mid 80s film i don't know if you uh, have but there's a film called mm. the final countdown nothing to do with the song yeah it's a film on a time warp or time travel or centered around that i saw it okay. when i was in school so it just took me back there mm. and you mentioned it uh, has something to do with the planes no i didn't mention planes but if you want to pick that up and go with it that's fine Will that lead me to anywhere close to the answer? It could. You could pick up that baton and start running and see where you go. So uh, let's just uh, take the facts here. Uh, Chinese Taiwan uh, Yushan was the mountain peak. Hmm. Nineteen forty-one. 
the Japanese uh, were in control of that area and uh, they didn't like to co- uh, call it by the Chinese name and they call it Nitaka. Nitaka, N-I-I-T-A-K-A. And uh, that peak is of some geopolitical importance. Now we need to know, we figure out what is that importance and some event related to that. Yes. So if you, I mean, there is, Formosa had an important role to play in during the Second World War in other ways, many ways actually. Mm -hmm. So while this is not a direct thing on Formosa, it is because of its connection, Mm -hmm. it became important. Let me think, let me... I would need a hint if uh, you could possibly give me one. Okay, so I'll give you a, something that the most people connect Formosa with the Subhash Chandra Bose's crash. Yeah. But this is nothing to do with it. So it has, I gave you the year 1941. So that is of great significance. Mm. So if you can reach back into the past and figure out 1941, the major event of 1941. Connected with Japan, of course, because we're looking at the Japanese Empire. Mm, what could have happened? Uh, now, when was Pearl Harbor? Pearl Harbor was also somewhere around the same time, but I don't think that would be... Yeah, another clue would do. Yeah, that would be great. Okay, so connecting to the film that I saw, uh, ni- uh, The Final Countdown, it's mm. basically about the USS Nimitz. Yeah. USS Nimitz, which was at that time one of the big aircraft carriers in the 70s, it was 80s, it was one of the biggest aircraft carriers that the US Navy had. And it Mm. travels back in Mm. time to 1941. And the whole concept of the film is what could happen if you can change past events or you're in a position to change past events. So you you should go with your gut feel, essentially. For me, that's uh, a big learning mm. over years of quizzing and advice that I give to yeah. any young quizzer. Your gut feel is al- almost always correct. So, like you said, you had thought up of something and you were going around there, but then you yeah. denied. Planes. Planes is what I was thinking of. Yeah, you mentioned something else also. Pearl Harbor is something that I mentioned. Yes, you mentioned it, but you didn't follow up with it. You abandoned that thread somewhere. <laughs> so Pearl Harbor was an American base, right? Pearl Harbor was the so, naval base in Hawaii. I think it was around the same time when the it was attacked. 7th so of was December, this one of the? Well, you're just about there. So yeah, climb Mount Nitaka was the code word for the hmm. launch of the operation or the flight, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. That was the message okay. sent by Admiral Yamamoto that you can launch the planes. Mm-hmm. And uh, once they were in sight of the harbor, the signal given was mm-hmm. Tora, 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 which means attack, attack, okay. attack. So that was, so it started, the, the sequence started with climb Mount Nitaka, which meant launch the bombers. And yeah, that was yeah. the si- signal to the nav- the carrier fleet of the Japanese Navy to launch the attack and uh, mm. Tora 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 which became the more famous phrase uh. Tora 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 was the order to actually bomb so once they were in position go and attack yeah so 
Mount Nitaka being the tallest mountain because this was considered a really really important step. So to climb the highest mountain in the entire empire was the big step okay. that they were taking. So that is why they used Mount Nitaka uh-huh. as the signal. So that is the event with which it's connected, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Got there. You got there in the end. Yeah. All right. Now that you mentioned 1940s and we're talking about Southeast Asia, so I have a question related in that time frame and from that place. Are you ready? Shall I go? Yeah. So the question begins in the year 1938 when in Lahore, Gyanwati Sethi met her would-be husband at a game of tennis. 1939, they both decided to get married. The husband was a pilot and in fact Gyanwati Sethi was the first woman to get a commercial flying license in India mm. so she was kind of a pioneer in that case mm. so yeah as i mentioned her husband was a pilot too yeah and the barat was a fleet of tiger moth planes which flew into lahore city okay so the young man the groom led the barat in a tiger moth plane and there were multiple planes which all landed into lahore and it was quite a sight hmm so that was then 1939 when they got married hmm now the story moves to 1948 jawaharlal nehru hmm called upon gyanwati's husband hmm for a secret mission hmm indonesia's independence leader mohammad hatta hmm who was the then vice president of indonesia and their premier Sultan Shahjir had both reached out to Nehru to be evacuated as they had gone into hiding following a hunt by the Dutch colonizers. Yep. So Dutch had made these two Indonesian independence leaders go into hiding. Hmm. And uh, Nehru considering India had just got independence was uh, sympathetic to the Indonesian independence cause. Hmm. So they reached out to Nehru asking for help. The idea was if Nehru could help these two leaders get out they could then go on to a world stage and tell about all the atrocities that the dutch have been uh, putting the local indonesian po- uh, population through hmm. now since these two indonesian leaders were hiding and the dutch had said no man or plane would be inside allowed inside the territory so it became a very tough job to get these two out yep so what jawaharlal nehru did he called upon gyanwati's husband hmm and he asked him can you get these two guys out the husband said yes and then he had a big problem he had to figure out who would be his co-pilot the mission was so risky that he couldn't think of anyone who could join him on this mission oh. that is when gyanwati came up and you know considering she was a pilot herself she offered to be the co-pilot so the husband wife couple flew in the middle of the night all the way into indonesia avoiding detection by the dutch forces the dutch army and got these two men out they boarded a dakota dc3 plane in the dark of the night what i need you to tell me is who was gyanwati's husband who is this man and how do we know him better okay so the uh, home field advantage i was born in odisha my father was indian administrative <laughs> service and uh, since i met uh, the gentleman in question many many years ago biju babu was you have one of the yeah many years ago uh, early 70s i was about 3 years old then 
so yeah. okay tell me more so biju patnaik and uh, kalinga airways was like yes. an airline that he flew it they had three decotas which they used to use and my dad's flown used mm-hmm. to uh, had flown in one of them also so amazing guy i mean he was known as utkal sand or the bull of utkal yeah so amazing absolutely guy. right because his son is now i was just yes his son is now the chief minister one of the longest serving chief ministers of this country actually if you look at it he's been there for a long time and uh, lo- what a lot of people don't know is that uh, biju babu's daughter is a well known writer mm-hmm. geeta mehta her husband was a publisher sunny mehta amazing family and said gyan was also a very imposing lady she was also tall and you know proper mm. big build sikhni haha uh-huh. I didn't know of this, and apparently, when they went on this mission, uh, Naveen Patnaik was barely a toddler, mm-hmm. and uh, they just said, you know, by the time he wakes up, we'll be back or something like that. And uh, for their mission, the Indonesian government actually conferred uh, Biju Patnaik with the highest civilian award that Indonesia can give. Some amazing times mm-hmm. to live in. So this wasn't the only sortie that these two did. Hmm. Uh, apparently, Gyan Patnaik accompanied uh, Biju. in a uh, freedom struggle movement and evacuation of british families from rangoon where the japanese had laid siege yep and uh, even during nepal's independence they flew so they used to fly in quite a lot and fly into very tricky situations the new york times said from dropping political leaflets to indian soldiers fighting under british command in burma and flying clandestine missions that carried congress party leaders from hideouts across india to secret meetings that charted the independence struggle He was jailed by the British in 1942 and imprisoned till 1946, a year before Britain transferred power back to the Congress Party government. He then switched his efforts back to aviation, founding his own Kalinga Airlines and becoming its chief pilot. The airline later became a part of Indian Airlines, the state-owned carrier. So yeah, fantastic people. How did you meet Biju Patnaik? My father was district collector of Katak and Sundargarh. That time Katak was. I think Bhuvneshwar was being built or had just been built, and uh, but Katak was basically the political center of uh, Odisha. Odisha. Yeah. So my dad, being col- district collector there, was one of the known people. So I remember uh-huh. once or twice. I mean, the one I remember is uh, meeting Biju Babu once. I was two and a half or three years old or something. So I don't remember yeah, if I said so. anything or he said anything to me, but. Yeah, I remember meeting this guy, and he was like tall, tall, tall. You couldn't, I couldn't see the top of his head. <laughs> he was about six three or six six two, six three, something like that. Ah. All right, now your turn, Aditya. So, like I said, I'm going to inflict history at you. So, uh, ah, Vasily Zaitsev was a hero of the Soviet Union. and uh, he was yeah. an expert at something that he did and he is one of the uh. things that he is best known for is a duel or an engagement or a competition he had with a german called erwin koenig mm-hmm. now uh, this mm-hmm. has been chronicled so to say in uh, literature and in films also and both of them were known mm-hmm. uh, teachers also mm-hmm. in their craft they both uh, educated okay. a lot of people in the in the field or activity in which they worked 
and Zaitsev in particular mm. is known for having created a school for women for this uh, in this area. So now, uh, okay, Ed Harris played uh, Irwin Koenig in a film, and Jude Law played Vasily Zaitsev. Which film was this? I was hoping you don't ask me which film it was because I. For the life of me, can't remember the name. I know everything about the movie. I remember Ed Harris. I remember Jude Law. I remember they they both being snipers on the opposite side of marksmen on the opposite side of the war. Okay. And uh, the movie was the movie was. I'll tell you the n- movie's name. It's I I remember it. Uh, Rachel Weisz was there. Rachel Weisz, uh, Bob Hoskins playing Nikita Khrushchev, and uh, yes. Uh, Joseph Fiennes played uh, Commissar Danilov in the film, and Ron Perlman also. Ron Perlman ah. played his best friend Nikolai, guy who gets shot. Okay. So it's. Let me just think. I know of this movie. I've seen the movie quite a few times, and it's just that something that's escaping me. What was the name of the movie? I will get it, but it will probably take me a whole lot of time, which I will have to edit out of the. So you got everything except the answer. So I'll give that to you. It's Enemy at the Gates. Enemy at the. I was thinking behind enemy lines, but that was that other movie with Owen Wilson. Yeah, with Gene Hackman, I think. No, Owen Wilson. Oh, there's Gene Hackman also. I don't remember. Yes. I think uh, I Gene Owen Hackman Wilson. is the senior army officer who's. You know, crashed behind enemy lines, and uh-huh. Owen Wilson goes in to get him out or something. Or maybe I'm confusing. Oh, I think it's based in Boston. Gene Hackman is no? the. I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, Gene Hackman was playing the commander who is trying to get Owen Wilson out. Oh, the other way around. Behind enemy lines, I think their plane crashed. I'm not. Uh, it's based yeah, in the perhaps. Serbian Bosnian-Serbian conflict, Kosovo, somewhere there. But yes, Enemy at the Gates was the movie, and quite a fantastic movie. I don't remember who made it, but it was quite a no. It was a good, good film. movie, the one that I film. enjoyed, one that you can watch actually watch time and again, or in parts, or the whole. One of those war films that uh, isn't overtly jingoistic, but uh, also isn't True. too morbid. And I think the best part about the film is normally war movies. The action is, you know, the bigger the blast, the better it is. Hmm. Here, it was quite simple. It was just two marksmen who are just waiting and biding their time, waiting for the other person to make a mistake. So that just puts a whole twist to the whole war sequences that we see of, you know, the eighties. The book was called War of the hmm. Rats, hmm. and it was derived from. Uh, Zaitsev's memoirs. So apparently, the German army doesn't really have a record of an Ernest Koenig. Sorry, Erwin Koenig. Oh, okay. Hmm. But Zaitsev lists him that he was the guy who he uh, dueled with over three, four days. So that's where they've got the name. And like I said, the German army says we didn't have a sniper called Koenig, and there was no Berlin sniper school that he was supposed to have headed. But I mean, they had sniper schools, but uh, the German army denied. But not under this guy. Yeah, but German army denied his existence oh, at right. that time, not just after the war, basically. Quite interesting. That's a movie recommendation for any of you who are listening over the weekend. If you want to watch a good movie, do watch Enemy at the Gates. Now, Aditya, are you ready for your next question? Yeah, yeah. 
So the question it starts with a man called Lalji Godu. Lalji G O D H O O. Okay. So this is back in the 1890s. Lalji Godu met a trader, a Kabuli wala in Bombay. <laughs> this huge weary pathan yes had come on foot and horseback all the way from Kabul. Hmm. Lugging a sack full of dates, dried fruits, hmm and a special ingredient for the Bombay's rich. Again, this is 1890s. Hmm. Lalji saw a good business opportunity. In 1894, Lalji Godu and Company was founded in a spare room at Godu residence in Masjid Bandar in South Bombay. Hmm. Now that organization, that company, Lalji Godu and Sons and Company, hmm. right now in the past fiscal year has an annual turnover in excess of 400 crores. Right. With Lalji Godu and Company being one of the biggest players in the market. Hmm. This ingredient that they got can't be cultivated. It primarily grows in the wild in the cold mountains of Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Afghanistan and Iran. and most of it is used in india in its actual form this ingredient is quite strong so strong that in a few european places i guess in few places in germany it is used as a insecticide i can imagine now to now to make this oh, so you probably know where i'm heading with this but i'll still finish the question yeah yeah go to ahead to make go this ahead. to make this ingredient eatable or consumable as a means of dilution atta or flour is added to it in north india we use wheat flour in south india we use rice flour mm. what i need you to tell me is what is this ingredient and i have a since i have a feeling you already know what it is you need to tell me how did you get it <laughs> okay uh, i got it because i just bought it 3 days ago or rather i ordered it from the local <laughs> grocer and uh, mm. since we use it a lot in our food and uh, yes we have to get this because it's actually the best uh, that's available otherwise earlier we was always used to get what was called a gart of the thing a lump of it and keep it in water so solid mm. thing soaked in water mm. and uh, then you just yeah. use the water yeah. and if you ask your uh, mother or parents since you're a kashmiri mm. you'll know that we use mm. it a lot especially for chonkoing dal or putting it in other food i think the malu mein bhi padta hai yeah so mm-hmm. even me- some meat preparations have yeah 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 so but uh, not normal kalia yeah. or something or uh, but uh, mm. i think some of them so the heeng is the product and uh, lg yes. is the deep uh, gold standard in heeng in, in in commercial heeng in india but uh, the, the best way to use it is unadulterated soaked in water then you just chidko a little of the water into the food so you get a much better water. flavor yeah so keep it soaked in water heeng ka pani banate hain they use it that's how we used to do it now of course it's convenient to use this sprinkler thing from the little plastic cake but uh, devil's dung also it's called in, in some places and they now i just read yes. a couple of days ago in fact there was a there's a plan to grow uh, it and cultivate it in speak lahol city because they're trying to re- 
yes there the environment in the higher ranges of himai in the himachal uh, state in himachal pradesh so there are plans to grow it apparently th- there was in the 70s there was some attempts made but they were uh, made in a very unscientific manner it's just that some people got some uh, seeds and uh, started cultivating but no one tracked it if it is actually working or what are the conditions that are required so now they are actually planning to do it and something i read uh, lg is as uh, you also mentioned one of the biggest players of the gold standard Their, Their biggest, biggest competitor, competitor is Van Devi, also from Mumbai. I'm imagining the same old part of Mumbai. Hmm. And they have been, they both have been rivals since 1932. Wow! Imagine being in a niche market and being a <laughs> rival since 1932. That's older than Pepsi Coke. I'm imagining. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, it's there. like the Punic Wars between Rome and Carthage carried on for some. Uh, I think some almost two thousand years or something, because they ended only in the. Ah, uh-huh. this used to completely unrelated. This used to be a question in the mid eighties when we were quizzing that the Punic Wars had then just formally ended. I think it, they started somewhere around two hundred BC or one hundred eighty BC, and they ended somewhere mm-hmm. around nineteen eighty two or eighty three with a formal. declaration of the cessation of hostilities between tunisia and uh, italy as the representatives of rome and carthage or carthage and rome so that wow. at that time that used to be, almost now yeah, that yeah that's him but yeah, yeah i mean how did i get him because we cook and i'm kashmiri so we use a lot of him mm. in our food up next will be the audience question so whenever you're ready you can okay so one for the audience uh this is again second world war and uh, but it also mm-hmm. has uh, something to do with the one sport that almost half of india if not more considers a religion which is cricket mm-hmm. uh if you remember there was in uh, many years ago there was something called the timeless test which lasted 10 days of actual play and uh, england versus south africa and it ended when the english team had to catch their boat to go back home otherwise the match uh, was continuing england would probably have won if they had played one more day but they had to leave the next morning so they called it quits and said it's a draw so now one of the, the players in that england team uh, was a bowler called hedley verity Hedley Verity came from pretty humble background in Yorkshire and uh, played for England. He uh, was selected for the England team by Douglas Jardine for the 1932 series, 32-33 mm-hmm. series. And uh, mm-hmm. Verity uh, was a slow left-arm orthodox bowler, much like the amazing Nilesh Kulkarni who holds a record for India mm-hmm. in that category or Ravi Shastri or Maninder Singh or even the great Bishan Singh Bedi. So Hedley Verity mm. having served in India Persia and Egypt managed to pick up spin bowling here I think or <laughs> maybe he didn't because he was actually a medium pacer who became a spinner afterwards but uh, he mm. holds a record for having dismissed a batsman 
the maximum number of times in fact this batsman was almost considered to be verity's bunny he got rid of the guy eight mm. times eight times verity got this batsman out so question is which batsman was that who headly verity dismissed eight times which is a record because no other bowler came close to getting this guy out so many times all right so that was the audience question and uh, if you know what the answer is all you have to do is send in your answers to @quiztimeindia on facebook and instagram and uh, aditya thank you so much for joining us on the podcast it was a pleasure and uh, and i must say the level of questions was something just really pushed me the questions pushed me and uh, that's always a good feeling to have and uh, you really brought some excellent questions there i loved it i enjoyed the quiz with you i think that positivity is wonderful because a lot of people you know if you can't get an answer then you a lot of times and i've seen this happening oh what sort of question is that i didn't know the answer to it and i'm like okay yeah you didn't mm-hmm. know the answer to it there are questions which you ask which i don't know the answers to right so but yeah True. thank you for bearing up with the world war 2 lesson you know almost <laughs> i can call it that but it's it's something that's uh, i mean conflict at mm-hmm. one level has fascinated me in many ways and uh, it's always mm-hmm. something interesting to study because you learn so much from the way that men engage with each other or humans engage with each other and conflict tends to bring mm-hmm. out both the best and the worst in people and that marks the end of the quiz and the episode thank you so much for joining me and i hope you enjoyed the show if you did Do let us know. We are Quiz Time India on Facebook and Instagram. This is the Studio Forty One podcast. We are at the rate Podcast Studio Forty One on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. And one last thing: on first of November, India wants to know. IWTK is hosting a Canada Talkies quiz. If you love movies, if you love Canada movies, I really recommend you check this out. You can go look up India Wants to Know on all social media platforms, and I guess you'll get all the information there. do check out that quiz and yeah that brings us to the end of this episode thank you so much for your time you can thank me for mine